This is Dale Tempest, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Yes, a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Full and Focus podcast coming to you live on a whenever you are listening to this. But we are recording this literally less than half an hour after Fulham have just thrashed Millwall. I think that's pretty much the best way to say it. So we're here to pick the bones over what was a fantastic night at the cottage. I am Matthew Baldwin as a host, as you can probably tell because of the less upper class voice than my usual uh, host J-Mac and I suppose slightly lower class than uh, Frenchie who occasionally dabbles in the hosting business but anyway you're stuck with me if you like it you like it if not well you've listened anyway so it doesn't really matter no of course we, we, yeah we, that's a bit that's a, that's a bit harsh that's a bit harsh we love every single one of you um joining me to dissect this performance is Mr Lampier calling all the way over from America and Mr Dom calling all the way from somewhere in London an undisclosed location that I'm sure he doesn't want us to d- disclose. So anyway, lads, let's just kick off with it. And there's only really one place to start, and that's with the first goal. Um, there's not really much to, you know, d- debate tonight because I, you know, there's nothing negative to talk about. It was just a perfect all-round performance. I'm sure everyone has seen the stats by now. 990 passes at latest count. Before we know there could be some inaccuracies now I don't know somewhere along the 88% possession line again somewhere there or thereabout just an overall dominant performance but I suppose everything really starts with the first goal and Mr Dom and you and I were chatting about this sort of before we came on air and it was more or less a carbon copy even Caballero I should probably say who, who scored it even Caballero with a more or less carbon copy of his goal against Huddersfield uh, do you think this is something that we should be expecting that he only scores wonder goals from here on out <laughs> well, I mean, his first three goals to the club, he's, he's had two absolute worldies into the corner from the edge of the box. And, uh, you know, the other one we'll talk about later. I'm struggling to think of a better three opening goals for, uh, that have ever been scored with Fulham. But, you know, I mean, we can expect world worldies from him as, you know, he used to score those for Wolves. Um, but we can also expect him to, to take on a player and set up goals as well. And I think the last two games are really seeing what he's capable of and, um, as part of that front three, I mean, it's. I'm laughing because um, they're going to tear some teams apart this season. I know Millwall aren't one of the better teams in the league, but they're solid defensively. And um, you know, at times, they don't, at times, 90 minutes, they couldn't really get near us, could they? So, so yeah, it was fantastic result, fantastic goal. He sort of, as you said, it was a, car- a carbon copy. The the run from I can't remember who made the run today, but it was a similar kind of run down the line, which created space for him and he's uh, thumped it in with the outsider's foot instead of the inside this time. So, um, so yeah, happy to see more of those. Yeah, you just wonder if maybe that dummy run is going to be a, is going to be a coming th- uh, thing that we're going to use every now and again or maybe even every game until basically until someone stops it. Mr Lampert, your thoughts on what was a fantastic first goal because I think it was fair to say we were dominating them at that stage but we just really couldn't quite get that. I think Mitrovic had a decent chance but it was a case of once we got the first one, the floodboard gates you know, inevitably did open. Uh, but did you really think that we were going to break it open in such a fantastic style? 
Honestly, I I didn't. Uh, I thought you know we were we were passing the ball very slick, and as we as we did, and against Huds and uh, as against Blackburn, but it was I just didn't know how we were going to penetrate them. The first sign of anything was when Nakart and uh, Caveo switched wings and basically gave Romeo a decent challenge of just giving him a left footer and a right footer, a left footer and a right footer, and every time we did that, we seemed to somewhat get some penetration. And you know, Mitro didn't have to drop back as much. I noticed that, so that was that was a good benefit. And then, uh, like Dom said, the the overlapping runs to kind of disguise those um, you know those passes um, and just cutting inside uh, the way Cavallero hit that was just brilliant. And the best part is he cut inside and he didn't just have a shot right away. He just he could cut it. He had to cut in one more time because the the defensive midfielder was was there as well. And so just things like that. There's little little strategies of, of, of really quick passing movements, but then individual brilliance uh, where it matters. And that's really kind of what cut uh, what cut um, Millwall apart. I was going to say Huddersfield, but no, we're playing Millwall. No, easy, easy mistake, easy mistake to make. Um, you talked about individual brilliance then. We're going to discuss this. We were going to discuss this later, but you've sort of preempted the question by saying that. Do you think this overall performance was us being good or Millwall being bad or a combination of the, of the two. And Dom, I'll start. I'll start with you because again, we were chatting chan- this before we came on. You know, I and I made the I made the argument that if this performance was against the Millwall side we faced when we went up, you know, because they'd gone on like a twelve game, I think it was unbeaten streak, whilst we were on, I think twenty one at that stage. So if we were putting that tonight's performance against that side, I'd feel a little bit more, you know, you know, happy about it, but. The middle side finished near the bottom, not near the bottom of the table, but in the bottom half of the table last year. So uh, should we really be that overjoyed at a, 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 with this? Obviously, we should be overjoyed, but can we take anything from the fact that it was a very poor middle side we did it against? Well, I mean, player for player, they, they aren't as good as us, for sure. But let's not forget that you've had a good start to this season. Uh, before today, they had uh, the same amount of points as us, I think, on seven. Um, no, they had a point more than us, even. And they've kept two clean sheets and they've only conceded uh, one goal, I think. So they're very strong defensively. So I would probably lean on the side of us being brilliant, really. Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that many teams will tear them apart 4 0 this season um, because they're, they're well drilled, uh, they, but they, they could not get the ball, I think. Um, as we, we touched on earlier, I think 84, 85% possession. And um, Opta tweeted after the game, and that's the most that um, they've seen in this league since they've started doing the stats, which I think is only about six years or so. But but still, it, it just showed how dominant we were. And with that front four that was playing, you know, Mitro, uh, Cavalero, Knockout, and Kenny behind them, it's, it's too good. It's too good for this league. And... Um, we're going to do that to quite a few teams this season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we, we... We will go through a bad patch, I'm sure. And it'll be interesting to see what Parker's made of and how he gets us through that. But but when we're looking good and we've, when we've got swagger like we had today, uh, yeah, there's not, many, not many teams that are going to come near us. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sort of move, I'm moving on to the second goal. Uh, this one was slightly surprising, it might be, because we managed to score a header from, you know, a lot of people was talking about how small our, our centre-backs are, whether or not they can deal with, you know, our, 
talked in the preview for this game about whether or not they'd be able to deal with you know Matt Smith, who was thankfully on the bench for me, all came on in the second half, but whether or not they'd be able to deal with his physical presence. And we managed to score a header through the smaller, possibly the smallest player on the pitch in Anthony Knockhart. Uh, Matt, were you, you know, we may have expected Cavallero's goal somewhat because of his, you know, he gave us a little preview with what he could do against Huddersfield. But were you expecting us, you know, Anthony Knockhart to get a header in this game? And, to, and not even just to get a header, but to score a goal with it. Yeah, that that definitely threw me off a bit. I was wondering who was who was screaming into the box there. And you see a lot of with, with Knockhart, he makes some incredible runs. Sometimes he's just not found in time. And he did that throughout the match. But in this instance, you know, is basically coming we we're coming from the right hand side, and I think a, a loose ball found Caballero um and uh just into space and he was get onto the touchline. Um, and he had a couple of options in there, but it was just a really nice cross, just a really nice little simple one into the path to Knockart, who beat the defender. I thought that was how he just risked his head because it was up to the defender's knee <laughs> and he could have gotten kneed in the head instead. But it was a nice placement. It, it reminded me of, of Mitro's goal in the Premier League where he just calmly placed the ball in, in you know perfect position. And yeah, it, was, it was a nice goal. And it's good to see Knockart get his first goal and finally get rewarded for all the runs he makes. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic to find, as you said, fantastic to see him get rewarded. Um, Mr. Dom, do you expect this sort of thing to be happen, happening more often? You know, because we talked about, well, I certainly talked about in the past why Mitrovic sort of didn't really get going last year was because we didn't quite feed the ball him the balls in in the box the way he sort of he sort of wanted to do that. And with all these balls in the box that we expect to give Mitch, uh, you know, Caballero and Knockhart to give now. Do you expect to have those guys sort of running around the box as well to get on the to get on the end of things, or do you think this is again just maybe just a bit of luck against what was a bad a bad Millwall side? No, definitely. I think we've improved every game, uh, every game we played, and with that, against Barnsley there wasn't much cohesion in attack. Mitrovic was a bit isolated, but since then. Um, uh, I think it's best with Cavalera on the left and Knockhart on the right. I think that's when we've looked our strongest. Cavalera does get up in support of Mitro quite well, uh, much like kind of Ryan Babel did last season at times. Um, Knockhart kind of operates a bit, bit more in the space on the right. And the longer it goes on, the better it's going to get, I think. You know, we've, we didn't create as many chances as we used to when Slavisa was in charge. Um, but we were really clinical and we created good chances. Uh, and I think that that seems to be something that um, we're, we're doing more of this year um, rather than just kind of attack, 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 shooting and you know, ne- not necessarily creating the best chances. We had something like a 10 or 11 shots on goal, but uh, seven on target and scored four of them. So that being more clinical is really important in this league. And I think um, we've got a front three that are going to take more chances and they're going to miss, I think. Yeah, hope, absolutely. Hopefully they do. Now, um, Matt Dom, you touched there on, you know, how uh, you want to have you know, wingers on their sped side. But Mr. Lampard, don't you think there is some benefit to maybe having, you know, the wingers switching uh, wings? Or do you think that we'd be better off with, you know, one down one side, one down the other? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a benefit to the, to the tactic of having you know uh, opposite leg uh, wingers basically where they cut in and or you know they, like Knockart, you never know what he's going to do, um, but at the same time, 
what I bet Mitro probably would prefer if, you know, the left-sided, left-footed uh, player would be on the left side, so Knockhart on the left and Kava on the right because that, you know, means he can time his runs better. And instead, he has to probably has to delay them just a little bit in that sense, uh, unless we've got an overlap, which is what we did a lot with Slav balls. We had a lot of overlaps, and there was easy first-time crosses um, that we saw uh, in, in our promo year. Um, especially, but this definitely brings in a, a lot more, um, a, a lot more strategy, especially by Parker, because exactly like two goals now for Kava is that the the overlapping runs are actually setting up our shots rather than setting up crosses, and I think that's a distinct, um, different strategy. And you know, Mitro is really just being just a, a, a hoss in, in the boxes, as I call it, is basically just pushing people around and trying to make space. And if you see on the knockout goal, he's basically moving two defenders out of the way um, to make space. Uh, knockout can just feed off of him, and it worked out. I just had just had one more thing to add. I think um, I think mixing them up is, is a good idea because we've got um, two fullbacks who've got a very different game. Um, the, the player on the left if it's Cavallero, kind of cuts in and more, which gives Joe Bryan a lot more space to operate overlapping. Whereas the winger on the right, which is usually uh, Knockart, has got more to do in the wide areas because Steven Sessegnon kind of tucks in and plays in defensive midfield quite a lot. And he basically is everywhere. But um, I think mixing it up a bit is a good idea based on the fact that you know we've got two fullbacks who've got a very different game. And, and that's really good to see as well. Absolutely. Now, moving on to the second half. Now, I have a question for both of you. Were either of you concerned with the way Millwall sort of fired out of the blocks at, at the start of the second half? And were, either, and were either of you concerned that maybe this was a case, you know, we uh, spoke in the Huddersfield game about how Scott Parker may have, you know, given up great halftime team talk to G the team up sort of thing. But were either of you, did any of you think, hang on, there could be something going on here? Yeah, I... I was definitely concerned. I mean, I thought that's how they wanted to start the entire match is just put that very high pressure, move up their lines completely and, you know, play caution to the wind essentially, you know, cause they started pressing where they started with like a four, four, two defensively pressing up their lines um, at the first, in the first half, they, you could see they started pushing, you know, four players at a time and really putting pressure on us. And, you know, I think Matt Smith definitely, yeah, if he had scored that opportunity, I, I think it would have changed the entire theme um, and the kind of entire mood, of course. But I feel like I feel like they that's really how they wanted to start. And thankfully, we were able to kind of stoke that fire and, you know, into our own goal scoring and set up all the momentum on our side. But there was there was a point when, you know, it was it was it was scary, to say the least. Good. It was. Yeah, it certainly was scary. But then we sort of calmed the nerves. Everything started going our way again, and we got the penalty through Alexander Mitrovic. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone could sort of argue there was there wasn't a penalty. It was pretty pretty blatant. I suppose the only real argument you could have is you know should maybe have been a red card, but I know that the laws have changed for that over the past couple of years, and I don't really want to get into the details of it because I'm not 100 you know okay with the details of it. But um, Mitrovic scored the penalty. Do you? This has been this is our first penalty this season. Am I right or am I wrong? Someone tell me. I think it's our first penalty. Uh, I think it is. Yeah, it is. I'm just going wrong. back. Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay, so question because I know it's been you know 
there was a lot of talk with Manchester United on Monday with uh, Marcus Rashford, you know, and Paul Pogba, who's the you know, quite unquote designated penalty taker. Do we see Alexander Mitrovic as the designated penalty taker this season? Obviously, we don't want to get we obviously don't want to go into the debates of what happened last year, Kamara on the bench and all that nonsense. But are we happy with Mitrovic as the main man on penalties this year, Mr. Don? Yeah, absolutely. No, no doubt whatsoever. Give it to your striker. So, in my opinion, it always should be the striker, unless it's Danny Murphy. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of things. You're, you're not falling with you, Tom Kenny, maybe was the. No, the not that, that season. We missed what nine out of eleven. I think yeah. he he missed a good three or four. Two thousand sixteen, um, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not Tim Reid either, right? <laughs> absolutely horrible luck. And there's one particular one. I think it was one one against QPR where you could just, just see exactly where he was looking. Exactly where he's going to put it, and then, and he did it anyway. So no, give it to Mitchell. Let him slam it in there. Fair enough. Give it to Mitchell, Mr. Lampert. I'm assuming you're on the you're on the same you're on the same line of line of thought. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mitro did it. He, I remember when he did. You know, him scoring. You know, the Bournemouth one was so important. Just you know, remembering that and all the pressure there. And I know we didn't have pressure at the time. We were relegated, whatever. But still, you know, the PK spot in in and then the last five years has been kind of a, a lonely place as it should be. But, you know, it's it's nice to see our number nine, our striker, do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, at least we got at least we got confidence in someone. There we go. So that's goal number three. Moving on to goal number four. Absolutely perfect. Ivan Carriera, ball played through, rounds the keeper, fires it into the net. Now, Mr. Dom, we're going to have this debate on Twitter, but seeing as you sort of suggested, I'm going to let you sort of take the lead on this. You said that that, that third goal means that it's the best th- opening three goals that a Fulham player has scored. Just what was your what was your thinking behind behind that rationale? Just just quickly. And well, first of all, talk about the Caviera goal, but then just you know what what made you think about that? Well, mainly because <laughs> it was mainly because that they happened so quickly, and I can remember them, you know, um, but. It was when he scored that third goal, and he it went over the top from Kenny, and he took a lovely first touch, and then a really calm second one to round the keeper and tuck it in. Um, the the technique that that took for him to score a goal like that, it just it just got me thinking. You know, players who have scored three goals really quickly, I suppose Mitro would be one of them. Can't none of them stand out as outstanding except maybe there was that goal he scored where they kind of flicked it with the outside of his foot against. Um, I'm really happy against now, but it, it, one of them was all right. Uh, scored a hat trick, didn't he, quite quickly? But uh, I don't think any of them was spectacular. And it, it was just kind of Cavera can seems like he can score any type of goal, and um, we haven't had many players down the years who can do that. Um, so uh, you know, I'm throwing it out there. If anyone thinks uh, can think of a better three opening goals, then then I'm all ears. But I certainly can't. The only thing I was thinking of when you when you sort of proposed that to the is the um, is the uh, sweepstakes alert of the twenty one minute mark the full and focus WhatsApp group. Um, when you suggested that, the only ones I could think of was Papa Booba Diop. So I remember the one against Chelsea and the one against Man United, and then I thought that his next one was his one against Norwich. On the last game of the season, that free kick. But then it occurred to me that he had the header in the last minute against West Brom, which sort of takes away a bit. It was a it was a fantastic header. But that's my that's the only one I could 
you, 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 you can't really say the header. That's a good. Than... That's a good shout. Was the header better than Caviero rounding the keeper? I don't think he no, would really argue that. No. And um, again, someone's bound to get the argument. I've no idea how many goals Inamoto scored. I, there was a hat trick against Bologna in the Intertoto Cup final. Maybe those were three fantastic goals. I don't know. I can't remember them. Um, Saha, maybe. Malbronk, maybe. Beaumorte, maybe. I don't know. Again, oh, this is. Tom Kenny, that's a good shout. Tom Kenny would. It's got to be someone who's a scorer of great goals rather than a great goal scorer. But that's a, that's I feel like point. I feel like Cavalier is both. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Lambert. Do you have any any suggestions to throw out? And, and again, just again, just start off with the Caballero goal and then move on to the debate. I think uh, I think it's interesting that Jim and Jamie brought up um, Luis Boamarte a couple of times. And just in terms of like how they reminded him of how he's kind of everywhere and he's clinical and he does score some pretty outrageous goals, you know, time will tell, of course, but I thought that was an interesting shout. One to think about at least. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you know, if we can have someone as, as good as Lewis Biomorte coming on that, I, it should, we should really point out now that Arby Caballero is still alone. Um, so there is there is all this chance that we may not get him back if he if he performs too well. Um, same with Anthony Knockhart to an extent. So I think we've, just... we've agreed the fee there, haven't we? Yeah, have we agreed the fee? I don't know, because that's something that's all new to me, because I knew the whole... I'm I sure... Because it sort of slowly moved into football. There was, there was the loan, then there was the loan with option to buy, then all of a sudden it came in loan with obligation to buy. That, yeah, the, the obligation one was um, knockout, I think. But I'm pretty sure Cavalero and, and Harry Arter as well, actually, are both options. Permanent. Which Options, I mean, too. We've, we've agreed a fee for, for both of them, so nice. it's a win-win, really, for us if they, if they no more as they can. No more permanent yeah. signings for half a season, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think so it's really, really it. smart business. That's good. Absolutely, absolutely smart business. You know, we we managed to do this without spending a penny yet. Probably should have done that last season, but anyway. So that's really all to talk about with the goals. Just a couple of minor points that I just wanted to discuss. Um, we're going to get onto the Parker rating in a second, and I just want to throw this out there just because it may affect the Parker rating, even though it probably will be a ten to ten to ten around, but you never know. Um, bringing Ivan Caballero off when he's on two goals for AK forty seven. Are we okay with that? Yeah, I, I don't want to get too sort of into the emotional and you know romantic side of it because I am one of those people that thinks you don't take someone off when he's on two goals unless there's a an injury or b you know you're you know, you're three two up and your back's against the wall and you need to bring on another defender sort of thing. So I don't that's my view, but obviously you know we've got to think about Nottingham Forest on Saturday, so on and so forth, yada yada yada. But were you okay with Caviero being brought off? Um, when he was, or do you think he should have stayed on, got the hat trick, got a bit of uh, you know morale up even further? Mr. Lampert, to you first. I think, I think if it was two nil and he had scored both goals, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have taken him off. You could tell, um, you know, and, and we all know we love AK forty seven, but you could tell the the quality dipped a little as soon as he came on. The kind of you know, he needs he needs some game time, some match time. So, you know, way to sync up with everybody because um, he came on and, and it was just it was a little slower in that area where, um, you know, Kava was was setting up. And so um, but I think if it was two nil and, you know, and, and it wasn't, 
you know, it's not as comfortable. I think you'd keep him on and just kind of continue to send him up and, and see what he does. Okay, Mr. Dom, same question to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it, I think. Um, he, he, he'd done what he needed to do. Uh, we'd won the game by that point. Um, it's more important that he stays fit than him getting a hat-trick. And maybe, obviously, he would have wanted a hat-trick. But um, from what I can see of him, uh, from what we've seen of him so far, he seems like a thoroughly professional character. Um, and he would have been fine with um, the team winning the game. And we need him next match. Simple as that. Same with Kenny. Uh, so, so that's why he came up. He came up. I don't think he picked up a knock. Um, but we're going to need him because the game is coming thick and fast. Yeah, you say he didn't pick up a knock, but I did. One of the uh, uh, the commentator, rather for you know, because I was watching this on the Sky on the Red Button, fantastic service. I'm quite glad we got relegated now for that service alone. You get to watch the midweek games from home for free. It's absolutely lovely. But he was mentioned that Tom Kenny just grabbed his, I think it was his right leg just before he came off. So there may have been an injury there surrounding Tom Kenny. Uh, got brought off for Bobby Reed. Other substitution was Kevin McDonald coming on for Harry Archer, which I think is going to be one of those, you know, like Chelsea had uh, the Kovacic Barkley substitution. A lot of people made fun of it last year. You know, it was always going to, it was always a rotating one of that. I think that's going to be something we see quite a lot this year. Harry Archer takes the first sort of 75, 20 minutes. Then Kevin McDonald comes on for the last 10 minutes to sort of shore things up, more experienced head. That sort of thing. Um, everyone else okay with those? Everyone else okay with those two subs, Mr. Dom? Yeah, I just I just want to mention, um, put it out there that uh, I'm sure you guys will know that I wasn't particularly keen about Ariata joining. Um, I, I was wrong about him. He's been excellent. I think he's been one of our top three players in every game we've played so far. He, he's always looking for that pass out of the back. You know, we we kind of had a bit of a problem with that in the second half. Uh, when they pressed us really high, but he didn't shy away. He faced up and he wanted the ball every time. Um, and he presses right up the pitch as well. So he's everywhere. Um, I think K-Mac coming on for him 70, 75 minutes every game is excellent because there's, there's not going to be many better players who can come in to to solidify a lead than, than Kevin McDonald. I think, yeah, I think Parker got his sub spot on today. It's moving on to the Parker rating. I'm going to give him a 10 just because it was the overall all-round perfect performance. You know, even with the defenders, you didn't really notice the defenders doing anything wrong or doing anything well, which for a defender, much like a referee, is sort of what you want them to do. If, if you don't hear them or you don't notice them, then they've sort of done their jobs. They haven't made any mistakes sort of thing. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a 10 for me. I'm assuming it's uh, the same all-round, but I might as well, just in case. Mr. Lampitt, a Parker rating for you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say 10. There was... Uh... There was a time in which uh, I was, I just wanted to know what what um, what formation he was going to switch to. I know he started at like a four three three, then a four two three one, and past matches he had gone to a five three two. I was just curious if he was going to do that again, but he stayed in the four two three one the the whole time. I thought that was interesting that Kearney came off and Johansson, um, you know, came in where usually um, Kearney uh, slots in with Arder, and it was nice to see that little change. So there's some consistency there, some belief in his players. So it was nice to see overall. So I, I definitely give a 10 out of 10. That's 10 out of 10. So it's a 20 out of 20 so far. Will it be 30 out of 30, Mr. Dom? Yeah, it's definitely 30 out of 30. Um, I Even, you know, our 23 match unbeaten run and all the, the, the fantastic results we had, 
against Savisa. And I don't want to get carried away here, but um, that was one of the best performances I've seen us play, uh, have for years. I mean, I mean, I know it's, we've talked about it. It was only Millwall, but they are—they are no pushovers, and that looked like a, a Premier League team against a League Two team in the cup for me. Um, we, we were fantastic all over the pitch, barring that first five minutes of the second half. Um, so, you know, absolutely ten out of ten credit where it's due. You say Millwall are no pushovers as we have just pushed them over, literally. With the amount of passes and the amount of possession we have, we have twenty two other teams in the league, they're not going to be any pushovers. Okay, fair enough then. Right, so that's really unless any, and I'm just gonna sort of throw this open because we yeah, we got time. Gonna throw this open to two of you. Are there any more talking points that you wanna you wanna bring up in regards to the Millwall game? Any sort of minor details that you wish to bring up? Mr. Dom, I'll let you have the floor first. Can, I think we need to talk about Stephen Sessegnon. No, absolutely, we do. By all means, the floor is yours. I I can't really describe the way he plays. It's it's very unusual. Obviously, he's playing at, at right back, but he, he he cuts across into defensive midfield. So we've kind of got three playing along the middle there. And if you watch him play, he's always looking where the ball is. And, and if it starts to move over to the right side of the pitch, he gets back in line. And, you know, in attack, he gets forward. He's, he seems to have a good cross on him. He, he's he, he's an extra man in attack. And I really think that that helped our game today. We had a lot of the ball um, and he was always the extra player available. You know, dare I say at, the, in the, <laughs> the, at this early stage, uh, is he the better of the two systems? I, th- I think that might be a debate for another time. I think I, I, I see where you're going because I know there was a lot of... Um, I was speaking to a Spurs fan of mine, a friend, fan, fan friend of mine, whichever way you want to put it, um, who basically was talking. I was talking to him about this, and he he brought up the point because obviously he'd done a bit more research than I had. That apparently, when they were growing up, Steven Sessignon was the better player than Ryan, but apparently he just got hampered by injuries. That's why we didn't see him in the first team as much. And obviously, we sort of had the right side settled down with Fredericks, whatever, so he didn't get a chance. But I think it could just be the whip, just seeing what. So it was yeah. always there yeah. all along. I think I think at the club as well, there's there's certain people who think that's the case. Yeah, fair enough, it's, it's too early to say. But I will say he's had two better performances at right back than Stephen than Ryan Sessner ever had at left back. Uh, I'm not sure that's up for debate really. I think that there would have been a couple championship games, I think Ryan did okay at left back, but we'll leave that. We'll leave that. I'm sure that's gonna be that. When we get when we get the first thirty-five million pound bid in for him, then then we'll have to play <laughs> better. better. All right. uh, Mr. Lampert, any Let minor points? For you? No, no, of course. Mr. Lampert, any minor points? No, I'm good with that. I'm glad I'm glad Don brought up Sassanio. That's where I was interested in as well. I just thought is he's got an interesting position and, and he's well coached. You can tell that you hear you could hear Scotty on the um on the just on the on the broadcast and he's just coaching him up and it's it's great to see and I think it's interesting to see what position he plays. He does play the right back, he does the overlaps, he cut he tucks in, he does a lot and he's very sure on the ball, which is what surprised me the most. Cause even, you know, again I'm a big fan of his, but even the likes of like Cyrus Christie struggles at times and feels that pressure. And it doesn't look like Steven Sessignon even feels any pressure whatsoever. No, absolutely. You know, you guys said it summed up perfectly I, I can't add any more words so i'm not going to add any more words um that's really it for talking about Millwall. it's now time to move on to this saturday's game which is against nottingham forest
Fulham. Right, moving on. We've got Nottingham Forest coming up this Saturday. And as is usual, we've got a bit, a bit of a fact file for you to go through. Uh, we've all got it in front of us. So I'm just going to sort of read this, read these things through. Um, sort of pick, pick your own stat and just go with the one that you sort of um, you think is most fascinating for the lovely people at home. Um, I'm going to go for this one, the last eight. And I think it's quite fascinating. Um, the last Our last eight games with Nottingham Forest... Um, this goes down to when we first got relegated down to the championship under the Felix McGath era. In fact, the last game of the Felix McGath era, we started off uh, with a 5-3 loss to Nottingham Forest. Then we beat them 3-2. Then we lost them 3-0. Then we lost them 3-1. So we didn't exactly get off to the best of starts in this division against them. But then we managed to turn it around and we are undefeated against them in our last four. So hopefully we can carry that on into the next one. Uh, Mr. Lampitt from the Fact File, give us a fact that you... Um, that you found out of there that you're quite interested in. I actually didn't know. I thought they did a lot better than than um, the ninth last year. I didn't. I thought they had they were in top six for some reason. I guess I didn't pay attention, but I um, I feel like they've got a, a decent side. Um, I'm curious. I don't know how they did. Did they have a match today? I, th- um, I think they tied Charlton. Yeah, Is that right? yeah, they yeah they drew with Charlton. They were one 0 down and then came back to get one uh, 0 with Albert Adoma, who's one of their who's one of their signs in the summer did very, very good business getting him on a free. And they even have, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have a, a, what's his name? Um, Lewis, Lewis Graben, don't they? Lewis Graben, lean the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, you know, anything about Lewis Lewis Graben is just because he's been all over the championship and, you know, with the likes of, uh, I think in Sunderland and all that. And it's, it's interesting to see him leading the line at age 31. So, Really curious to see how that's going to fare up against, uh, you know, against our defense. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of talk about our front three, but trust me, Nottingham Forest front three are, you know, not as dangerous. They're not quite our level, but in terms of a front three potential front three with Joe Lolly, who was their Player of the Year last year, Lewis Graben and Albert Adoma, that can that can absolutely cause a couple of Championship defenses trouble, and whether or not they're going to cause our Championship defense. Premiership, whatever you want to call it, defence trouble is going to be. Uh, we'll, we'll have to find out. Uh, Mr. Dom, a fact file from you, something that listeners will like. Yeah, I, th- I think their away record last season is quite interesting. They only won four out of the twenty-three, but at the same time, they they only lost eight, so they were really hard to to break down away from home, uh, and actually for teams trying to get the get the win and. The low scoring as well. They only scored 27 away from home and conceded 33. So compared to the you know the last eight that you put up, where there's a lot of goals, it, it, it's going to be difficult to break them down. It, it, it gives me hope that they won four away last season, um, and they lost a lot of you know they, they they didn't take the lead in away games quite a lot. So so for me, we've got to start strongly and we've got to go in at half time with the lead like we did tonight. Uh, I think if we do, then we'll, we'll come away with the win. But, um, you know, as, as they say, every game is not going to be easy. And they've, they've got a good attack. It can cause us trouble. Our defence had it a little bit easier tonight. No, absolutely. And their results this season have been, you know, they got, they got had a very tough start because they got West Brom and Leeds in the first two games of the season who finished third and fourth, respectively, in the league last season. So they started off with them. Then they got Birmingham. Uh, and managed to get them three uh, now and then. You know, so really, they're undefeated. Well, they're not undefeated because they lost the first one against West Brom. But they have been some very good performances this season, and they are not 
to be taken lightly, even with you know Matt Matt Dom pointing out their rec- away record from last year. They're not to be taken lightly. This is not going to be, you know, they're not going to be as bad as Millwall were tonight. Absolutely. So all that's left for us to do is really just uh, let's have a score predict score prediction and a eh, we'll go for a first goal scorer prediction. Why not, uh, Mr. Dom? I'll go to you first. Uh, I think I think two one Fulham and uh, knockout open the scoring. Okay. By the way, this isn't. We're not encouraging you to bet that because we're quite often wrong on these things. So don't. I mean, if you can, you want to, and then just give Matt Dom ten percent of all winnings if if that does come off. But that's just his prediction, Mr. Lampitt. One from you. I'm not paying ten percent of your losses. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's, it's gonna be a tough one, but I think it's we're gonna edge them out. I think uh, two to one, Mawson's gonna score the winner off a header, um, off a corner. Wow. Okay. Going to be long, like going to be long odds for that one. Okay. Okay. By all <laughs> means, if you're Alfie Mawson to score, by all means, go for it if you want. Um, from a one, corner. One. From, from, from a set piece corner. You know it. No way. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, when else does a set back score a header from open play? It's not really a done thing, is it? In fairness, it's going to be from a set piece. <laughs> Very rare. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, true, that's true. so Dom said two one. Mr. Lampard said two one. You know what? Next, make it full house. I'll say, I'll say two one as well. And you know what? I'll say Tom Kearney's going to get the first one personally. And you said Seppies. I'll say Seppies as well from a free kick, direct from free kick. Tom Kearney's going to get that. So two ones all around for us. Um, what's left for us to say is thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, you've had as much fun listening to this as we have recording it, and as much fun listening as as much fun watching Fulham beating Millwall four 0 I hope that came out all right. I'm sure it did. Um, once again, thanks very much for listening. And thanks to Mr. Dom and Mr. Lamford for joining me this week. I am Matthew Baldwin. Um, be sure to keep up with everything Full and Focus. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we've got our website, fullandfocus.com, where there is plenty of Q&As, interviews, blogs, this podcast, other podcasts, the audio Q&As, a whole lot. There's a whole smorgasbord for you to get your Fulham eyes into. So whatever your desire is, we have it. So one more time, thanks very much for listening. Let's hope we get good results on Saturday. Come on, you whites.